0: to have Andrew Earnshaw here with us to deliver a message from Ephesians. Let's give him a hand as he comes up. Good morning. It's a pleasure to uh, worship with you again uh, this Sunday morning, and uh, greetings from Bible League. I talk about Bible League every time I get up here, because I use a little bit of Bible League time to prepare this sermon, so I feel like I need to make sure that you guys are aware of what's going on at Bible League. And amazing things are happening at Bible League. Actually, um, I just got back from Ecuador about a month ago. We were talking uh, beforehand about uh, guinea pig eating. We we ate some guinea pigs in keto. Abby did the same thing. She ate the brain. I did not eat the brain. Um, but it was actually pretty good, but... The reason I was there was not to eat guinea pig. Uh, the reason I was there was to encourage our church planters that were down there. And um, they're doing amazing things. There is a guy that I talked to that has planted 11 churches in the Amazon jungle. And um, they face a different kind of spiritual warfare over there. It's, I mean, there's, there's some weird stuff going on, some supernatural stuff. But God is bringing people to himself in, in great ways, in great numbers, uh, in the middle of nowhere, and that's just one out of 70 countries that Bible League's in. And so, um, if you are a supporter of Bible League, we want to thank you for that, and uh, just be encouraged because God is doing amazing things around the world, including the United States. I was also in, in New York, and we we working a lot in Chicago on the west side of the city, and um, and uh, juvenile institutes. We're actually in Lake County. Uh, we, we work with some of the kids down there, and so uh, it's an amazing it's an amazing Thing to be a part of, and just know that uh, your donations go a long way at, at Bible League. And so, I want to talk to th- this morning with you about being fully alive. Um, has ever has anyone ever seen the movie uh, Princess Bride? You ever see that movie? That was one of my favorites growing up. I used to pretend that I was, you know, fighting that giant rat that was that was coming after us. My cousin and I would. But the main character Wesley, he is. Uh, trying to rescue his his true love from the evil king. And along the way, he gets picked up, and he gets tortured. And they torture him, and it looks like he's dead. And his friends come along, and they go, is he dead? We don't know. They bring him to the doctor, who's Billy Crystal, and he goes, he's not dead. He's just mostly dead. He's just mostly dead. And, um, you know, as Christians, sometimes it feels like we're walking around mostly dead. Right? We know we have a new life in Christ. We, we hear these things. But a lot of times it, it feels like we're mostly dead. But here's the thing. There is no, there is no degree of, of dead to mostly dead to mostly alive to alive. We're either dead or alive. And the world right now needs fully alive Christians, right? The world right now needs Jesus. So we're going to look at today what it means to be fully alive Um, We're going to be reading from Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. That's Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. And as we approach the Word of God, let's pray. Father, we thank you for, for your Word. Father, we thank you that it is true, that it is truer than our feelings, that it is truer than the desires that are in our hearts, Lord God, that you have... You have declared who we are in you, Father, by your Son, Jesus, and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. Lord, open up our hearts to it. Lord, use me in my weakness, God. Um, show your spirit, God. Work by your spirit in the hearts of, of us today as we learn together. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 2, verses 1 and through 10. and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're going to look at today what it means to be fully alive and to understand what fully alive looks like, we need to look at what fully dead looks like too. And... Um, We've all heard the, the saying, if you've been in the church for a while, just because you're in a garage, it doesn't make you a car. Just because you're in church, you're not a Christian, right? Just because I scroll through hours and hours of TikTok cooking videos doesn't mean I'm a five-star chef. In fact, the only thing I can prepare is a bowl of cereal, so that doesn't do me much good, right? And so today, we want to look at that. We want to examine ourselves, too. Even if we've been in the faith for a long time, you grew up in the church, 2 Corinthians, Corinthians 13 verse 5 says it's good for us to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith, to see if Jesus is the desire of our heart, to see if, if we are following him and putting our faith in him. Um, so what what are the descriptors of someone who's dead? If you have your Bibles open, please follow along. It's a, the Ephesians' first couple verses. Verse 2 says, Someone who walks the way the world walks. So unfortunately, we know the way that the course of this world is going, right? Um, we look around us and we see people pursuing power. We see people pursuing uh, their own happiness, uh, influence, sex, riches, all these things, right? And we know that anything that's not Jesus is going to let us down. And uh, unfortunately, that, that's the case. And oftentimes, we talk about our... Um, the culture today is talking about how we deserve, how we deserve to be treated like this or how we deserve to be treated like that. I found a funny meme one time and it was, it was labeled uh, Calvinist Bible study breakfast and on the box, you know how it says you deserve a donut. It said, instead of you deserve a donut, you deserve, and the donut scratched out and says wrath, you deserve wrath. <laughs> and that's, that's the situation. That's a, it's a funny Calvinist joke, but that's, that's what we deserve and, um, As the world tells you, you know, they say follow your heart, but God is telling you that you need him. So um, a lot of more mature believers may have pursued their dreams for a while. Maybe that was a big house. Maybe that was nice cars. Maybe it was getting your kids through college. Um, But if you're Christ's, oftentimes we get to the end of our dreams and we realize that that's still not the promised land that we were looking for. We were looking for satisfaction in those things, and those things might deliver satisfaction for a minute, but we're still left wanting. Verse 3 talks about living in the passion of the flesh, giving to every desire of not just the mind, not just the body, but the mind as well. So when a lustful thought enters, we entertain it. When we want something, we, we just take it. You know, I, I have three young boys. We're constantly trying to learn how to share, Right? We don't just take, take things. Um, when there's an opportunity to put somebody down to make ourselves feel better about ourselves, we, we do that from time to time. And dead people are people that run away from God's commands, uh, that, that laugh at God's commands. They don't see any sense to it. So we see this is a description of somebody that's dead, but how does a person follow the course of the world or the, the prince of the power of the air or do any of these things if they're dead. They're dead, right? To me, dead is you're laying lifeless on the ground. You're not able to do anything. I don't have good news for you yet because it's, it's even worse than dead, this, this description that he's describing. Um, because we're acting on behalf of the kingdom of darkness. If we're dead, if we're dead, we're acting on behalf of the kingdom of darkness. Um, before, so I grew up in the church and I gave mental assent that Yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior because I don't want to go to hell, right? But I didn't care about following him. I didn't care about trusting him. I didn't have a passion to read the Bible or to worship him or anything. And so I brought destruction along with me. I'm going to move this back here real quick so I can walk around a little bit. But I brought destruction with me so when I would go out with my friends, I would encourage them to drink as much or more than I did, right? When I was dating girls, I would, I would do things that weren't right, right? Let's be honest here. We bring destruction to, to, along with us when, when we're dead. And there's a YouTube video, maybe you've seen this, of, of a praying mantis kind of moving along, really, it's creepy looking. And then they pour a little bit of sugar water next to this thing. And out of this praying mantis comes this long, parasite. It's, it's, a, it's like a worm. And you see that the praying mantis has been dead all along, but what's in control of that thing is the parasite. And scripture tells us something similar. We're not just dead laying on the ground, but we are following the course of the world. We are bringing destruction with us. There's a spirit at work in the sons of disobedience. That's, that's dead. Right? And it brings death with it. So we hurt not only ourselves, but we bring, bring death to those around us when we're dead, right? And we can't shrug this off because the recognition of these things lead to repentance. Um, we'd live in a perfect world if everybody, rather than looking at everybody else's sin, looked at our own sin. I talk to a lot of non-Christians, and, and one of the biggest issues that they have is that why does God allow suffering? Why does God allow suffering? But oftentimes, if we were to look at ourselves and to see how we were contributing to that problem and cried out for Jesus, that's the answer. We all know that here, right? And so we, we are called to, to look at our own sin, not shrug off what God might be calling us to repent of. Um, even this morning, maybe you're sitting here feeling, feeling that weight. Maybe you've got something in your life that you're holding on to. God wants to release you from that. He wants to take that from you. Um, so that's what dead looks like—a body. This is kind of graphic and gross, but a body full of parasites. That's the—that's the description that we are are given in Scripture here, and that seems really unfair. I, I went through this passage with my small group. There's a non-believer in our small group, and we had to get real about this. We had to talk about this because it's—it's destruction. But here's here's the good news. Let's look at ver- Ephesians two verses four through nine. What does it say? But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. Thank God for the grace of Jesus, right? God is love, John says. He, he is love itself. But God loves us. He, it says he has a great love with which he loves us. What's that great love? That great love is Jesus. God's love is embodied in the person of Jesus, the God who stepped out of heaven to free you, to make you alive, to to free you from the penalty of sin. Not just mostly alive, not just alive enough to be limping around or to be on on life support, but fully alive, teeming with life, fully alive. Verse 6 says, he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So not only does he make us fully alive, he wants you seated right next to him, not just in some sort of heavenly realm that you can fall out of, but it says, in Christ Jesus. This is, these are some, some hard verses to, to wrap our minds around because we're seated next to God in Christ Jesus. We're seated next to him in Christ Jesus. Jesus unified with him, completely secure in Christ. The picture that I got for this is Noah, right? He spends years building an ark. And when the rain started coming down, he probably feared. He probably had a little bit of uh, of, of fear in him. But I bet he also felt secure knowing that he was in this giant ark and that God had directed his way the whole time. He was part of that ark. He was secure in that ark. So what are the implications of, of that? That you're seated with him in heavenly places, that you're in Christ, that you're unified with him? Well, first, it means that he really, really loves you. That God, the God of the universe, really loves you. That he desires you to be with him. That he has created for you for a purpose, with a purpose, not just as a slave or a worker, but as a son or daughter. Um, I have a pastor friend. Um, he's a uh, pastor in Gary. He's, a, he's about 70 years old. He's an African-American uh, gentleman. His church is, is mostly African-American. So it's a, it's a completely different experience for me who grew up in a really white area and white church. Um, and when I come into his church, he calls me up. He goes, hey, come, come sit up here. And sometimes he's got a few chairs back there where his elders sit. He'll have me come in and sit right next on the stage. And it's like, I'm just visiting the church. What am I doing up here? But he, in a way, he's mentoring me. He wants me to see things from his perspective. He wants me to get now than I was four or five years ago. He, he mentored me. He helped me. He wanted me to see things from his perspective and God wants to do the same thing for you. He wants you to be seated in heavenly places. He wants you to share his mind, to see, to see what breaks his heart, to see what delights him, to see what he sees, to see people how he sees them. And God's even better than that, right? Because he's not just mentoring you. He wants to adopt you, or he has adopted you. So he wants you to take on his likeness. He wants you to bear his image. So that rather than a, than a body filled with death, bringing death everywhere we go, we bring life, we bring light. He wants to spend time with you and he wants to transform you by, by being in his word, by prayer, in worship, in worship, in supplication, in imagination even. He wants you to, to be conformed into his image. And so we are secure because we have him next to us. Um, That doesn't mean we can't get ourselves in trouble. I think back to the ark, you know, sometimes we may be secure in the ark, but we're looking over the edge and we want to dip our finger in there. or We want to take a drink of the water and we might cause ourselves some harm. We might get stung by a jellyfish, or if it's even worse, we might get our hand bit off by a shark if we're really messing with some dangerous stuff. But God's got our back. He's He's with us. He's secure in us. So when the enemy comes your way, you can say, hey, don't make me call on my dad. He's a lot bigger than you. Hey, don't let me call my older brother Jesus because he's going to take care of business if he comes out this way. We are secure. We're next to him. We're seated next to him. We're unified with him. And, and And that's a comforting thing. You have the captain next to you. And not only does God want you in his boat, what's the, what's the next verse say? Verse 7. He wants to show you the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So because we're in him, we receive the blessing that Christ himself received, his status, his reputation, his sonship, his power, and we receive eternal life, which is arguably the most important in perspective of all things, because this life is a vapor. Eternity is eternity. It goes on forever and ever, right? And I used to think when I was, when I was younger, and, and, and still do once in a while, okay, Jesus has secured this heavenly bank account for me that I'm going to tap into someday. It's kind of how I thought of it. Like, What good is that to me now? I have a 401k. I, I check it on the, online once in a while. It's like, okay, I got some, there's some money in there. But I can't really do anything with it because I'm not retired yet. And if I take money out, it's, you know, it's, it's a penalty. But here's the thing. That's the wrong way of looking at it because when does eternal life start? Today. Today, now. And he has not called us to have death be our savior. He is our savior. Death is not our savior. Eternal life starts now. Jesus is our, is our savior. And we don't always take time to fully understand that, to understand that if, if, if Jesus is our Savior, that, he, that he's died for us, that he's given us his reputation, and not only that, he gives us his spirit to reach out to others. We can start the work today. We can, we can start being, living into being his sons and daughters today. And um, the more you step out, the more you, you step out and do things God's way, the more you see these immeasurable riches. I see it all the time. I've given you the ability to, to seek after God. Who's, who's told you about him? How did that come into your life? It's all by grace. If I didn't have the family I have, if I didn't have the experiences that I had, if I didn't have my natural personality that I have of a curious heart, I, I wouldn't be any closer to God. So sometimes it, it feels that, and there's a mystery in there. We, we still push towards the goal, right? But it's still grace. It's all grace. And so, if that's true that it's all grace, how are we going to look at somebody in judgment? How are we going to look at the dead bodies and go, look at, look at them down there. They're not doing things right. They're not alive. We, we can't judge that, right? All we can do is pray for that. So when, when somebody comes looking in the church and they, and they have gone through abuse, they've gone through uh, trauma, trauma, they're struggling with their identity. They're struggling with different things. Are they going to find love and somebody to point them towards the grace that gave them, that, gave that person life? Or are they going to find judgment? And so we need to, to remember this, that it's, that it's all grace. By grace we have been saved three times. Three times in these ten verses it says it. So if it's true it's all grace, then we can, we can take comfort in that. We can know that, that God is good, that he's got us, So we have, remember, I, I, I don't want to just give a performance up here. I actually really want this to sink in. That's what I pray for is that God would actually do something here today, that he would actually move in our hearts. And so when I repeat things over and over again, it's because I really want you to, to memorize. Sometimes I think about learning strategies and how people learn. I never really learned in lecture. I never really learned in class. But I, I learned it when I did it. But Sometimes I think sermons would be better if, if somebody just repeated one point for an hour. That might annoy you to death, but you sure will remember it for the rest of your life, right? So we've got to remember God's got this. We've got to remember to love rather than judge. Okay, and let's look at the last thing. Let's look at verse 10 here. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk with them. So this sermon is to to not make you feel bad over your sin or to to try to get things under control. It's not just about judging people, right? That's a symptom of the problem. Um, The last point is when you're fully alive, you bring life. You bring life when you're fully alive. And you are God's workmanship, and you are called to do good works because God wants to move through you. And instead of following the prince of the power of the air, the one that leads to destruction, the one that leads to death, the one that leads to wrath, we follow the king of kings, the lord of lords, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the father that sits on his throne and is worshipped by angels day and night. This is who we're following. And God gives us good works to do to shine through us. You are God's workmanship. And when you're fully alive, your works bring life. So whether you're creating or whether you're giving or doing discipleship or evangelism or being a mom or going to work in the steel mill, God's called you to to be his workmanship and to do the works that he wants us to do so that he can shine through us. So if I was in your spot, this is what I would be responding with. It's like, okay. Um, what are these good works I'm supposed to be doing what are these good works that I'm supposed to be doing because um, you know I'm in ministry I'm preaching a sermon literally right now I, I work at Bible League um, I get to travel the world I get to do all these things and if you go on my Facebook or Instagram profile you'll, it's, it looks pretty cool I'm in a bunch of different places all the time I don't feel fully alive Aren't those things supposed to... Isn't the mission work? Isn't the good work supposed to be the thing that makes you feel fully alive? I feel satisfied. I feel like I'm, I'm in God's will, which is a great comfort to me. But God doesn't just want us to do good works to do good works. He's calling us to do good works so we can see Him in us and show that to other people. He wants to flow through you. And... Um, the biggest way to step into these good works is not to go, okay, uh, no TV for the rest of the day. We're going to read our Bible for the rest of the day on Sunday, right? That's, you know, that's what our minds go to, and it's, it's not really that. Uh, the biggest way to step into the good works God has for you is just to reflect on what he's done for you. If you look at the Old Testament over and over again in the Psalms and, and everything. David repeats all that God has done, that he's, he's taken the people out of, out of slavery and into life, right? He's reflected on that. When we reflect on the beauty that he's given us through our family, through, through our friends, through parents, through nature, through every avenue of grace that he's given us, we, we, we enjoy him. We, we, we enjoy these experiences, and we, we overflow with these, with these things in his love. And the more time you reflect on Jesus and what he does for you each day, his promises and his word... The more we're going to want to bring life. There's a there's a young guy in my small group. Um, he just started dating a girl, and uh, he's really proud of her. Like he's like super excited about this girl. And so when he came when he came over, he's showing her off. Hey, here's my girlfriend. Look at hey. And he's trying to impress her constantly. Oh yeah, I know this person. I know this person. What if he just kind of kept her in the corner and just kind of I was like, oh yeah that's my girlfriend would would that show his love for her? that would be in contrast with with his love, right because he wants to show her off, he wants to do that god is God is calling us to fall so deeply in love with him that we want to show him off that we want to do these good works that we we want to step out in faith that rather than just sitting around looking at our phones uh, looking at the TV, just kind of going from thing to thing as as just kind of a lifeless autopilot life that we're living. God is calling you to be fully alive and to step into what he's called you to to do and to to just love him and to reflect on those things. He wants to shine through you with all his beauty. He wants to make you an oasis for people in a a dry land. And this, this journey with God is difficult. Not perfect. But as you walk with Jesus, God will shine through you in ways that you can never imagine. And you'll bring life wherever you go. So are you dead or alive? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. God, thank you that you are faithful when we are faithless. God, we need you. God, let us not just walk out of this sermon and go, oh, yeah, it was was fine, whatever. God, we want to be changed. We don't want to be consumers. We want to be changed by you. We want to fall more deeply in love with you. And so, Lord, would you do that in us? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.